So the next stage of the criminal justice system is when the trial, in fact, takes place. And at this point, it is when the, this is the most important point in terms of when the constitutional rights of the accused kicks in, right, becomes even more important. And when we're referring to the constitutional rights, we're particularly talking about Section 35 of the Constitution and the right that the accused person has to legal representation. Remember what we said earlier that um, the right to legal representation does not necessarily mean the right to legal representation at state expense and only in certain instances will it be the right to legal representation at state expense. But the accused person has the right to legal representation, has the right to have the attorney, right? The accused person also has the right to be given enough time to prepare defense, which means that the accused person can't appear in court and then be told, okay, a week later, you need to be back uh, and you need to be able to um, uh, be ready for trial and put up a defense for uh, your alleged rape and murder. In that instance, your accused person would not have been given sufficient amount of time to prepare uh, the defense that they intend putting up uh, against the against the charges brought against them, right to counter the charges brought against them. Um, another one, and and that was a particularly interesting one in the context of um, uh, President Zuma and the contempt of court proceedings, um, is the right to be present during a trial when your trial in fact takes place every accused person has the right to be to be present at trial and of course with covid and, and electronic presence versus physical presence virtual presence versus physical pre, uh, presence these concepts of course are going to evolve and we're going to see a lot of case law which is going to be thrashing out a bit more what is meant by present in court because of course our present circumstances uh, has shown uh, that the law needs to be developed further in this regard. So, but be that as it may, the Constitution provides that every accused person has the right to be present during the trial, right, to be uh, in attendance. The next thing is that the accused person has the right not to be compelled to give self-criminating evidence against them. So what does that mean? That means that the accused person cannot be forced to take the stand, so if the state accuses X for murder and rape and it's now X's opportunity to put up the defense, the state cannot insist, the judge cannot insist, no party can insist that that accused person actually takes a stand and testifies because that accused person has the right to remain silent and the right not to, at this point, give any type of evidence that's going to incriminate themselves. So the the trial that is actually taking place now, and we call it trial on the merits, because it's the guilt or innocence uh, which is now being um, determined through the trial process, uh, consists of two two stages, right? So the one would be, in fact, the trial on the merits itself, determining, establishing, establishing guilt or innocence. Uh, can we prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the accused indeed commit this offense? So that's the first part. That's the trial on the merits part, right? Then the second part kicks in, which is what we refer to as the trial on sentencing. So once in those instances where it has been established that the accused person is indeed guilty of the offense that they are being accused of, the judge will then take it a step further or the magistrate will take it a step further and we need to have a trial, so to speak, on what the appropriate sentence is that should be imposed upon the accused person. Right. So aside from having the, the trial to establish guilt or innocence, and the sentencing trial where the person has been found guilty to establish what's the best and most appropriate sentence, there's also always the possibility of plea bargaining, right? So there can always be the possibility where the, where the state uh, gives the accused person a certain um, 
incentives um, and as a trade-off for enjoying those incentives, the accused person must then plead guilty to the particular offence they've been accused of to, or to plead guilty to a lesser offence, which is uh, in the same range of the, the type of offence they've been accused of and what I mean there. We often refer to as uh, competent verdicts. Uh, when we're talking about murder, the accused person might say, okay, I'm not going to uh, plead guilty to murder, but I will uh, plead guilty to culpable homicide. Or I'm not going to plead guilty to rape, but I will plead guilty to uh, indecent assault. So in that sense, there might be a plea bargain where the state gets certain benefits because they don't have to go through the, the, the lengthy processes and the expense of the trial, and the accused person gets certain benefits as a result. Uh, they will have the, the particular sentence that they would have uh, imposed upon them at the point of uh, conviction should they be found guilty. They, at that point in time, can latch onto a lesser sentence. So now we see we have the trial on the merits, we have the trial on sentencing, and we have the potential of plea bargaining.